These are true stories adapted and performed by actors in recovery, brought to you by the Improbable Players. Addiction has a sort of terrible rhyme, taking so many souls before their time. Honestly, though, sometimes to linger is worse. You scrape by half alive, living a curse. Be sure to look in my eyes for the light. The first thing to go is the glimmer, the fight. It's a battle I lost a long time ago before I had the choice to say no. Hush. Ma, I can't sleep. Annie, please stop crying. You know your mama gets headaches. But Ma, I I can't sleep. Can you come to my room? Stop crying. Please, stop. Shh. Here. Take this. It'll make you feel better. I was eight years old, so I took it. I remember it was dark in her room. All her blinds were shut all the time. She was sick enough that she couldn't leave the house, so she just shut herself inside, holed up. That night I was standing in the hallway, outside her bedroom, crying, and she just couldn't handle it. She never could handle emotion. I remember her always calling for more. Hello? I'm calling to get my prescription refilled. It's under Alice Duane, Percocet. Hmm? Try Smith. Yes, I'm sure this is the right pharmacy. Dr. Ellis sent it in. Oh, he hasn't? I meant Dr. Tucker at Beth Israel. Fantastic. I'll be over today to pick it up. Thank you very much. You have a good one. as long as she was finding a way to get her prescription refilled, I took pills from her. And eventually it was every day. I started to just not feel right without them. <laughs> it's a miracle she never found out. Annie? Oh, no, no, no. Come in here. Annie! Mom, what is it? I can't find my meds. Well, um, where did you put them last? They're usually right on your bedside table. Well, they're not here. I searched the whole room. Have you seen them? You must have dropped them under the bed, or maybe you're just out of pills. I can drive to the pharmacy and pick up your refill. And- no. No, that's all, that's all right. Don't worry about it. You can go. I need to call the doctor's office. Hello? Dr. Ellis. It's Alice. I need a refill on my meds. Yes, the Percocet, same as always. I know it's a little ahead of schedule. You see, I misplaced the whole bottle. What if she can't get her refill? I know it's not the first time this has happened, but we're talking about separate incidents here. It does add up, Doctor. I'm explaining exactly what's going on. You're sorry? Well, so am I. 
I'm sorry that I'm in pain, and it's such a burden for you to do your job. Yes. Can you transfer me to the pharmacy? Hello. My name is Alice Duane. My doctor just sent over a refill prescription. You don't have it. You know what? I can be over there in a few minutes to sort this out. Yes, I- I'm coming right over. You just hold on. <sighs> I need. I just need to calm down. I need to get out of here. So when my mom started having trouble getting her prescription, I had withdrawals. It was bad. I couldn't sleep. I was having panic attacks at school. I just needed something else to make it bearable. So I started looking for a way in her own school. I didn't even try to be discreet. I just needed to get in with the right people. So I had to make some new friends. Hey. Uh, hey. I'm Annie. (laughs) I know. How's it going? All right. Stressed. I'm stressed. I mean, I got three quizzes tomorrow. Sounds fun. Hey, you want a hit? Sure. (laughs) (coughs) Thanks. Really, thanks. I needed this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, don't worry about it. I get high pretty much every day. It was just super easy to slip into the routine of it. And I tell myself, I'm just a pothead, it's no big deal, everyone smokes, but it was really just a cover-up for the other stuff I was doing. I was buying Oxy, pills off other kids at school, and I thought I needed them. Like, the drugs were helping me live my life, it wasn't a big deal. And all these reasons that I used to convince myself that I was okay, I mean, that's what made it dangerous. Every night I take anything to make myself disappear. Feeling a little dizzy. <laughs> well, I wonder why. It's not like you finished off all our Xanax. <laughs> Did I? I don't remember that. Uh, uh. Shut up. I only took as many as you. Whoa. Dude, you are so gone. <laughs> I, uh, I also took some stuff I got off Maria. Give me some water. I um, need some. Annie? Annie, hey, you want some water? Annie, Annie, wake up. You're freaking me out. Hey, wake up. Annie? Annie, wake up. Annie, oh my god. Hello? I think my friend is ODing. Hang on. I'm, I'm going to put you on speaker. You're saying she's non-responsive? Yeah. Sir, I need you to lay her on her side and check her breathing. Okay. Uh, uh, she's barely breathing. Are her airways clear? They, I mean, they seem clear. 
I'm not sure what she took exactly. I know she had Xanax, but I think she also had Perks, Percocet. I, I just found her. I was Okay, I'm going to instruct you on CPR. I just need you to relax. <sighs> okay. You need to tilt her head back and pinch her nose, then put your mouth over hers and give two quick breaths. Are you following? Yeah, yeah. Then give her one long breath every five seconds. Where are you located? I'm going to send an ambulance. Annie? Sir, I need your address. Where? Oh my god, she's awake. Thank you for your help. Sir, she can still be in a lot of danger. Please stay on the line. Where? Where's my, where's my purse? It's right here. Hey. Oh, no, no, hold on. It's empty. Well, good. You've had enough. Uh, excuse me? What's up with you? Let me take you home. Where are the rest of my pills? There is no rest. Jesus. We're going back to your place. No. Did you take them? Give me my stuff back. Are you serious right now? Do you hear yourself? What's your problem? Every night, it's the same thing. Every single night, Annie. Don't you get tired of it? You've been telling me you were going to get clean since you were 14. Are you even going to try? You almost overdosed tonight. Yeah, you almost did. I'm not kidding around. I had to call 911. Maybe I won't be with you next time. What happens then? Annie, you need to wake up. Do you hear yourself right now? Jesus, you sound like- Like who? Huh? Like everyone else. Like you're better than me. <laughs> so full of it. And how can you tell me to get clean when you're just like me? In case you forgot, we hung out every night. And how can you say that when you know how it is for me at home? You know what my mom's like. <laughs> I thought you were on my side. I am on your side. I'm just trying to help. You. Which is why I'm yeah, telling- Yeah, well, don't. I don't need your help. I don't need you to tell me how to live my life. Has Annie. this ever happened before? No. So it's a one-time fluke. That's why. I'm fine, and I take care of myself. You know I can. I've been taking care of myself. This is not taking care of yourself. You're a freaking hypocrite. I'm not. I'm just trying to help. Oh, really? Annie. Because it's not like you've been hooked since middle school. It's not like everyone at school knows you're an addict, and- You, you know, know what? I'm leaving. Don't call me if you're just going to say trash like this to me when I'm just trying to help. And you know what else? You're going to end up just like your mom. I'm fine. I'm fine. Shall we begin? Yeah. We're good to go? Okay. So, Abby, what was it like? Oh, introductions first. Okay. 
I'm Mercy Bell, and I play Annie in End of the Line. I'm Abby Engler, and the story in End of the Line is based off of something I experienced. So, Abby, what was it like hearing or experiencing that story again? Uh, definitely was an outer body experience. Um, nostalgic, lethargic. It's good to kind of see a few minutes of my life in a more artistic setting. I think it's, I like it being framed that way opposed to any other way. Yeah, what is it about that artistic framing that creates such a different experience? It's just more like raw and like stripped down to its core. Like there are details left out, but the most important things are in there. And it's just presented in a way that's simple that I think a lot of kids can probably relate to. Just having a parent that's using and dealing to you and just passing along the cycle of addiction. It's just it it just shows that dynamic in its purest form, I think. Mm-hmm. What is it like, like, interacting with the other actor in that scene, like, being the younger one in that position? What does that feel like? Yeah, you know, I actually did the scene alone. You know, there was someone there to provide the lines, but it was a really interesting experience to be sort of acting in the absence of the mother character and to be trying to relate all of those are like emotions and reactions without her being there. And in some ways I was equally triggering because the dynamic I felt in that scene was like of a parent who wasn't parenting, like in some ways was there and wasn't. But more than anything, I was like shocked by how um, physically I felt the character and in going back to that younger age, how uncomfortable, how vulnerable, how scary it was. And it was a baseline scary, like only once we're adults, or at least for me. Only once I was an adult could I see how trapped I felt as a kid. Um, There was like almost like a little moment of victory. Like when I walked out of the studio, I was like, okay, that's actually done. Like I don't live there. I can be there and experience it and then I can walk away. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's one of the nice things about theater. It it makes it like a a safer space to like go there and and then come out of it. What are your hopes for the story? Um, My hopes... You know, I want people to see it. It's scary and it's not always pretty and fun for me to see it, but it's important for the kids to see that it's not okay for a family member to be starting you on drugs and that no one should have to go through that, but it does happen and it's common. You don't need a license to parent. It just, it happens to you and it's stressful and you see a lot of parents actually start getting more high because of the stress of having kids. And um, it's important for the kids to know it's it's not your fault. You can't change your parent. You can't fix them. But you can change yourself and better yourself. Like, if you feel like there's someone toxic in your life, it doesn't matter if they're your DNA. There's nothing wrong with walking away. You don't owe them anything. You owe it to yourself to get healthy if that means, like, severing the connection and sever the connection. And so, obviously, you did stop. What changed after that bottom? I did stop. Um, what happened for me is I just, I, I looked in the mirror and I I saw my mom and I knew what her addiction made her and it was making me the same person and it scared me enough to scare me kind of out of the grips of addiction. I disconnected from my mom and I didn't look back. I lived with my dad for a while but was still using and 
when I did get clean, I just, I was, I was very serious about it. I had this weird feeling. I saw people experience relapse and I knew I wasn't going to be one of them because I was so done. Um, and I put like my whole heart and soul into it. I went to therapy. I did outpatient programs a few times. I started just doing artistic things to help me heal exercising, like going to self-help groups. I just, I really, I was scared of what I was becoming. So I was willing to do whatever it took to take care of my health. Um, and that's what made the difference for me. Yeah, I can totally relate. So Abby, where are you now? Like in recovery and life? Um, I'm in a place that's a lot brighter and happier and more hopeful. Uh, I got seven years clean on July 29th, 2018. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, It was really exciting. And then shortly after that, I was able to go to a 12-step convention, and it was a world convention in Florida. I had never been to one. And there was like 25,000 addicts in the room from all over the world. And um, there's no place where I've like felt more loved and supported and everyone was speaking different languages, and it was just really um, surreal. Wow. And when I came back home to Massachusetts, I got to come back to like the this life that I've built for myself. Yeah, I have multiple jobs that I like. I, I work with kids, which is very healing. It's simple, and it's, it's happy, and it's, it's really what I wanted for myself, so... Yeah, I can like see it in your face. And it's funny when I was playing your character, I um, I just remember feeling like a claustrophobic feeling in my body, like the world was so small. So it's so cool to see like you as her on the other side of it. Thank you. Thank you, Abby. You've been listening to a production of Improbable Players. This episode is part two of our play, End of the Line, which addresses the opioid epidemic. We use theater performances, workshops, and podcasts to address drug addiction. Improbable Players is a 501c3 nonprofit, and we've performed for over 1 million people and employed over 200 actors in recovery. To bring us to your community, or to get involved, please visit improbableplayers.org.